thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. Yodel, yodel, it's episode, I don't know why I say that, it's episode 56 of the Primal Alternative Podcast. Thanks for being here, so grateful. If you would love to, um, I would love you to head to iTunes and leave me a five-star review uh, rating. And if you want to write a review, even better, because it just means that this little show will reach more people and let them know they're not on their own on their health journey and they too can reclaim their health with a few diet and lifestyle tweaks. Seriously, it's that easy. And to prove my point of how easy it is, I've got Shelly McKenzie from Freedom Wellness on today's show. And her story is amazing. Um, She's going to talk us through her health crisis and how she reclaims her health with real food and lifestyle changes. And what I love, you know, about these shows is I love hearing from, you know, it's very similar to my, you know, to my story as well. Oh, all banged. Um, it's very similar to my story as well. And um, I always just love to hear how other people have just made a few, like changed what they had on the end of their fork, tiny tweaks, and then been able to really manage big diseases. Like it's, isn't it just so reassuring and inspiring and fills you with hope. And that's why I love sharing stories like Shelley's. Now, um, the other thing I love about Shelley is she's not one of these, you got to be a hundred percent. Otherwise you're a loser and you're a failure and you might as well just throw the towel in cause you're off the wagon. Like she's not even from America, right? <laughs> but this is all about creating a beautiful experience for yourself. And obviously Things are slightly different if you have got a serious health issue. You need to do some serious repair work first. What we're talking about in this episode is once that has taken, been taken care of, what sort of maintenance plan are we looking at in terms of creating something that you can do, you can live with, right, for the rest of your life? Because I think there's a lot of like boom and bust mentality around um, – around health, you know, like this all or nothing approach. Whereas really, as Shelley's going to describe, it doesn't have to be like that. You can have your espresso martini and drink it too, sister girlfriend. So, you know, kind of resonates with my philosophy. And don't worry, I'm not pushing alcohol. But all I'm saying is it's okay to have a little bit of what you fancy. And in the interview, Shelley's going to share some ways how that can still be part of your life, your soul foods, as she calls it, which I love, that can still be part of your life without completely pulling the rug from under your feet, unraveling you and sending you into this like terrible spiral. And she gives us some really cool strategies of how to, how to basically recognize a habit from a craving and what to do about them. 
So it's really exciting. Now, as you know, I've had my own health crisis, which I crisis, which I've healed with a primal lifestyle, um, and felt so compelled to spread this to the rest of humanity that I qualified as a primal health coach, and I teach people, inspire women, bring people together. That's my um, kind of big contribution I feel is bringing a group of like-minded women together for support and accountability and celebrating success along the way. So I believe a lot of wellness is around mindset. So it's one thing saying, hey, off you go, eat plants and animals, make sure you get enough sleep and sunshine and nature and connection. But how do you actually do that? And what do you do on the days we don't feel like that? So I've created a membership program called Wellness Sisters which is a, a whole year round, rest of your life. It doesn't have to be, you can cancel whenever you want. But it's not one of these. I have in the past and still have thrived my 21-day clean living journey and set for life, which is a six-week total inside job on, on your health. Um, but this is something that's there every day because I really think we ebb and we flow, all right? So some days you're like super vigilant, super motivated, and then other days, not so much. And I see that pattern everywhere in nature. You see it with the changing of the seasons. You know, a flower isn't in bloom for the whole of the year. You see it with night and day. You see it with the waves crashing in and out. And even just the beach. Like the beach is different all the time, which is just oh, amazing to watch, isn't it? Like I really think it's amazing to watch. So lately I have been looking at... Ways to up-level my life. And my mantra has been lately, how can I make this easier? How can I make this easier? And I've really found that um, there are lots of ways to make things easier, but we kind of, I don't know, we feel like it's noble or something or righteous. Are we good if we do things the hard way? So I'd love for you just to spend a bit of time this week just tuning in and saying, can I make this easier? Just fine. Could you make it easier? You'll be surprised at what you find. And I really think that when we think about our health, we 100% place it on you know, food and then lifestyle. But don't forget that things like cooking dinner, getting the housework done, and all of the other admin stuff you've got to do, if you run your own business, even more stuff as well, right? But don't forget as well that that comes under lifestyle. And I've experienced so far this year major improvements in my entire life from outsourcing some of the domestic bile. So I now have a cook, I know, an amazing company called I Hate Cooking. Check them out. Um, they've got cooks across Australia and they come and cook for you like a cleaner comes to clean, all right? Um, so literally, Kira Lee, who's my cook here in Albany, WA, comes around once a fortnight and she cooks five dinners for me. Um, and you can choose whatever you want and they have a low-carb, high-fat menu, which is great. And you can pretty much paleofy anything. So you can say, I want that, but don't give me the noodles, give me this instead. They're that good. They do the shopping for you. I know when I told my girlfriend that bit, she cried in relief. And what I found is because we bulk out a lot of our meals with veggies, that these five meals actually make 10 meals. And what I've also found is because we're not going to the supermarket, my husband used to do the supermarket shopping. 
we're not spending as much on actual food because we're not doing a lot of the impulse purchasing that you do, you know, that, that whole system's geared for that kind of impulse purchasing, right? So yeah, it's actually cost effective to have a cook who would have thought, and I can't tell you how much of a burden cooking every night was for me. And it's sort of like almost, I'm dared to say it, you know, scared to say it, or I'm daring to say it to you, because what will you think of me? I have a whole food business. How dare I not cook whole foods for my family? Right. But the reality is that's not what I want to spend my time doing. Like, yes, I still have to choose the meals. I still have to organize the cook. I have to take it out of the freezer, defrost it, heat it up, cook veggies to go with it, plate it up, get everyone around the table. Come on, dinner's ready. Come on, dinner's ready. Times a million. Yeah, you've been there. You know it, right? But the feeling of having, it's like love. It's like love is in my freezer from another woman supporting another woman. And I'm supporting her in return because I pay for her services. She loves to do it. This is her zone of genius. It's not mine. My zone of genius is inspiring other people on their health journey and making it easier for them. So why wouldn't I make it easier for me? What can I do to make it easier? The other thing that was really getting me down and I didn't realize was housework. I used to think housework was kind of like meditative for me, right? I'd get the best ideas when I was vacuuming the floor, when I was uh, white noise, totally zoned out, not on my phone, not sat in front of my computer. I would get some seriously good downloads. But guess what? I can still get amazing downloads when I'm walking on the beach or relaxing in meditation or at my Pilates class or having a massage. There are many other ways to rest and relax and recharge that don't involve cleaning the toilet. Now, I hear a lot of objections around getting domestic help is around the monetary cost. And my answer or my question to you, if you have got a financial block around getting some help, whether it be help looking after the kids, uh, I've got school now, thankfully, but back in the day when I was really struggling with my health and the doctor sent me to a psychologist because she thought I was depressed and anxious, I was, but not for those reasons, the psychologist suggested, I already used daycare once a day because I was working. And the psychologist said, I think you should book your kids into daycare for two days a week because you know, not that I'm justifying it, but here we go. These are all the stories, right? We don't have any family support here. So there wasn't like grandma that could come, you know, once a week or whatever. And I said, I couldn't possibly put my kids in daycare and do nothing. But I wish I had taken that advice because guess what? I completely crashed and burned at the, a massive expense, expense financially, expense in relationships, um, expense in terms of emotional toil and all the horrible feelings that go along with the health crisis. You've been there, you know it. So at what cost is my thing now? So it's like, yes, I could spend an hour a day cleaning the house because there's always stuff to do, right? It never ends. It's just one of those things. Or I could pay someone to come in and clean the house, like clean it properly because they do such a good job. For three hours a week, it costs me just over a hundred bucks and they come on a morning when I'm having coffee with my bestie. So when I walk, that, that feeling of walking through the door when the cleaner's been is like, oh, it just feels like you've got an angel, sorry, an army of angels that have got your back. That's how it feels. Like it's support, women supporting each other. 
and you know I'm paying for these people it's it's all ethical it doesn't make me a bad person you know I'm saying this to convince myself no no really but you know what I mean it's like what else can I do to make life easier because when you have more ease in your life you have more health you have more joy you have more play you have more spontaneity it's not meant to be a grind. We're not meant to be flogging ourselves. And I have been guilty of flog, floggity, flogging myself for way too long. And I can't tell you how inspired I feel to reach out to other women and say, it's okay to get some help. You know, it's okay to hire some help. Because, you know, I feel that I'm, you know, I could be spending money getting help in the house or I could be spending money at the naturopath trying to calm down my nervous system. You know, do you know what I mean? At what cost? Mm, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Wow, where did that come from? I was meaning to just have a quick chat to you about wellness sisters and primal alternative, but then I went on that rant. Okay, well, that obviously is what you were meant to hear today, so thanks for listening to that. Does it resonate? Let me know. Send me a message, info at primalalternative.com. Connect with me on Facebook, Primal Alternative, Instagram, you guessed it, Primal Alternative. Now, um, Primal Alternative is my grain-free food range. Uh, this is here to make your life easy with pizzas, bread, cookies, jellies, and quirky cooking pastry. Just want to give a big shout out to my very awesome friend and business partner, Joe Witten from Quirky Cooking, because if it wasn't for her giving me advice, permission it was, she said, Helen, you need to get someone to help you. You can't do all the things. And Joe's going to be a guest on my show very soon. And we're going to dive into that part of life. Um, how dare we have support, you know? Yes. So thank you, Joe, for giving me permission because, wow, it's been a real game changer. And given made space in my life for everything to improve, absolutely everything. Um, so, yes, yeah, so my favorite, um, <laughs> the food range is available in Australia and America and soon Europe. Can you believe it? Yes, that's what happens when you get yourself a cook and a cleaner. You can get amazing things cranking in your life. Okay, I'm going on about that a bit too much now. But check us out, primalalternative.com. We are a homemade grain-free food range. There's something about homemade food that is just infused with love. It's infused with a good vibe and a high energy that I don't feel when I eat food from a factory. Um, small batch factory is totally different, but um, yeah, big factories pumped out uh, production line, something about it. I don't know what it is. Uh, and then also, you know, uh, the carbon footprint of the food traveling all around the world. This is all locally produced by a woman in your community, so or a man, so by a person in your community, a human in your community. So when you buy Primal Alternative products, you're supporting local. It's buying local. We're just a national network of local producers. You can become a Primal Alternative producer if you have got a passion for clean living if you love creating and baking and you have a desire to help other people, this can be your way of bridging the gap and making a difference in your community without having to go and get a bachelor um, degree like Shelley did or be a health coach and have you know loads of years in the fitness industry like I have. Like you don't need to do those things. And even, you know, yes, Shelley has, is very successful in her business, 
but I see a lot of people uh, in the health practitioners who do the courses. It's almost like a um, procrastinate qualification, you know, like they want to go out and help people, but they don't feel like they've got enough qualifications. Procrastinate education. They keep getting more and more um, qualifications, but they're not actually helping any people because they're, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So this is a way that you can just start, you know, in a space of like two to four weeks when you sign up to become a primal alternative producer or a primalista, as we prefer to say, you can be out serving people in your community like within a month with their grain-free products and just having that convenience without compromise, which is my new favorite tagline. Big shout out to Emu Wellness for that great tagline. I love it so good. Emu Wellness and New South Wales, you rock. <sighs> Take a breath, H. Wow. Gosh, I've got a lot to say. But you don't come here to listen to me. You've come here to listen to Shelley McKenzie. So let's get on with it. All right. Welcome to the show, Shelley. It's so cool to have you here. Thanks, Helen. I'm excited to be um, on your show. Yes, a fellow podcaster yourself, a fellow couchie. It's, um, it's nice, isn't it, to be interviewed for a change, be on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, it is actually. It's quite um, unusual, but it sort of just feels like at the moment I'm going to be interviewing you. So I'm sure when we get into the questions, it will be a little bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> you can interview me if you like. We should do a swap. <laughs> We could. Let's do it. Let's do it. So let's start off with your story. I want to hear how you came to be Freedom Wellness and there's always a backstory as to how you found this drive and motivation. So give us the story. All right. Well, I guess I'll start from my childhood. So um, I grew up in a country town called Yarrawonga, Muela, um, and you know, I lived a very active lifestyle. There's not a lot to do back there except for sport. So it didn't matter what season it was, I was always playing a sport. And my mum and dad, you know, they were pretty healthy. We sort of were that three veg and meat um, family. And then when I hit 18, I moved to Melbourne and just uh, really fell into the partying lifestyle, I guess. So I was drinking a lot. I was down here working as a personal trainer in the city at quite an elite um, club. And, you know, from Monday to sort of Thursday, Friday, I was training and exercising and eating what I thought was quite well. But um, come the weekends, there was a lot of binge eating, uh, sorry, binge drinking happening, which then led to, you know, a loss of inhibition when it came to my foods that I was choosing. So um, lots of takeaway foods, sometimes like I'd skip meals and all that sort of stuff. So that went on um, for quite a few years, probably four or five years. Um, and then in 2012, so I was about 24 at the time, um, I call it my health storm. So I started experiencing a lot of digestive issues and I'd ring my mum who was a nurse and sort of say, you know, I'm a bit uncomfortable and I'm experiencing all this um, gut stuff and, you know, should I get further testing? And I'd have all these tests done and nothing would show. And there was one uh, weekend I was heading back to my parents' house in the country and I started feeling really tight from a whole body, just started aching. So I went home and I got a massage and after that massage, it just basically put me into bed um, and I thought, oh, wow, that's really released and triggered some things in my body. 
by the next day, I literally just spiraled downhill. So um, I remember like I couldn't even get out of bed. I rang my parents from my bedroom and said to them, like, I can't move. Like I was just so sick and I couldn't even get up to, you know, go to the toilet. Um, And basically from there, I just went on this four-week downhill spiral um, where my health just really drastically declined in such a short period of time. So I lost, um, you know, 15 kilos or so, which was quite a lot. I'm very tall um, and didn't have that much weight to lose. Um, as I said, I couldn't even make it, you know, to the bathroom. I couldn't keep any food down. Um, so yeah. And, and at the start I was making it into the doctors and getting lots of tests and things done. And eventually it was just all home visits because I was just too sick to even leave the house. Um, and the doctors, I was basically on 24 hour care. So my, um, now husband, he was my new boyfriend at the time. He, um, came back and between him and my parents, like one of them had to be looking after me constantly. And my diagnosis went from everything from cancer to, I'd brought a parasite back in my, from traveling overseas. Um, and eventually they landed with the diagnosis of Hashimoto's, which is a thyroid disease. Um, so then I'm sure we'll dive into it, but I went on a massive sort of healing journey from that, um, which led me to study nutritional medicine and a bachelor of naturopathy. Um, and yeah, freedom wellness, I guess has really evolved over time. It, because I, yeah, my journey definitely has, you know, I've gone down the path of bodybuilding and restrictive eating and all sorts of things. So I guess freedom wellness at the start was very much like you have to cut everything out and live this pure clean life to now let's look at balance and how to be well and um you know thrive in a body that no like your body is very intelligent and knows what it needs to do to um come back from you know something like that so um yeah that's where i'm at now so i practice in melbourne and um yeah that's pretty much my my story that's shelly in a nutshell and i'm just sitting here on mute because my deck's getting, I'm getting screwed in the background. No, my deck's getting screwed. <laughs> but so I'm just here going, wow. Oh my God. No way. Like, and that, that's just, your story just blows me away because most people, when you hear their health story, it's this gradual decline, you know, over 10, mm. 15, 20 years. And they don't really realize, you know, how crap they're feeling and then until you know they finally go and do something about it but to see such a drastic oh health decline where you know one day you know you're just not feeling that great and then the next you can't get out of bed you can't go to the toilet and you know no wonder you married that man because he's a keeper (laughs) he's he's gonna be looking after you you know he's a good man i know right yeah I'm going to marry you. We don't have been dating for like two months. <laughs> so the poor thing really got roped into it. <laughs> Less than I like but, it. But, um, yeah, no, it did. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it did. It all happened really drastically. And I guess, you know, if I really think back, yes, there was definitely signs that I had been ignoring as a young, you know, 20-year-old. Um, and I'd been having these digestive complaints for quite a long time, which I guess was my body telling me, you know, something's up over here. Um, and I just kept on feeding it alcohol and poor food. Um, and so, yeah, I guess there was definitely signals at the start, but 
again, looking back, like I felt pretty well. Like at the time I felt, I, I didn't feel sick. I didn't, you know, in that lead up, I felt as well as I'd ever felt um, besides an ongoing hangover. So yeah, it was, it was very, very sudden and very drastic. And of course my parents, like going from a diagnosis of cancer to parasite, they were very thrilled that I landed somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was just thinking, you know, that the cancer, you know, it must have been the cancer misdiagnosis and then the, even the parasite misdiagnosis. It's both like absolutely horrific, like scary stuff to be dealing with as well as all those, those physical symptoms. And then like to sort of land with an autoimmune disease, like, oh, phew, <laughs> like, yeah. not so bad. So, you know, I'm really interested to hear a bit more about your journey with Hashimoto's because you healed yourself. Tell us a little bit more about that healing journey that you went on? Yeah, for sure. So basically once that diagnosis of Hashimoto's had came through, um, my mum and I, to be honest, for years didn't really think that I had been diagnosed correctly. Um, just because I then went on to study and my mum having the nursing background and there was all this digestive stuff that really went undiagnosed at the time, but we didn't realise that that can all be a part of the thyroid disease as well. And so basically when that diagnosis came in, um, I was at the doctors and they gave me a bag, literally like a bag full of medication and said, you'll be on one of these tablets every day for the rest of your life. Um, and my now husband and I, we were planning a trip to India actually, where we were riding a motorbike down the coast of India for a six week period. And that was all happening about four weeks after this huge health storm had occurred. So obviously we were advised not to go. And, um, so the doctors sent me away with this bag of pills and, um, being the stubborn human I am, I was determined to make it to India. And that was really the start of my healing journey because I guess being 24 and being told that every day you've got to take one of these pills and if you don't um, then you could potentially feel you know fatigued have all these digestive complaints again like your symptoms can just skyrocket again I just really wasn't happy with that and so when we got to India I um decided that I could make a lot of changes within my lifestyle. I just knew that there was definitely things I, I could do. So I began with going full vegan um, and India was a pretty good place to do that. Like I just ate lots of beautiful curries and um, lots of healing spices and things like that. Of course, I had my days where, um, you know, we couldn't get on our bike and go for a ride. We just had to stay because um, I was too tired or fatigued or whatever it was. But um, generally speaking, I was pretty good when we were there and I still hadn't taken this medication by this point. Um, so I went full vegan and I was vegan for probably a six to eight month period um which you know now looking back and knowing what I know I think that was a really important step for me just because my body was so inflamed um and I needed just to heal and calm down my system after being vegan for eight six or eight months I then um started feeling really fatigued and started you know losing a lot of hair and things like that and at the time, I was, again, just playing with my diet, not really knowing what I was doing. Um, and I then started to introduce meat back into my diet and went to more of a paleo-based diet, actually, after being vegan. 
Um, and on a paleo-based diet, I felt really, really good. So I started limiting grains. Oh, and I should actually mention the first things that I did even before India was cut out gluten, dairy, and sugar. I knew that they were three triggering foods um, and that had probably been causing me a lot of grief for some time, but I just hadn't really recognized that. So I also went gluten, dairy, and sugar-free. Um, came back, did paleo, was going really well on paleo. The thing that uh, really got me, though, was alcohol. Every relationship you know, that I'd built, every friendship I'd built in Melbourne was based around a party and drinking lifestyle. So I then set myself a really big goal to um, get on stage as a fitness model. So I went down the bodybuilding path. So from coming off a vegan to then paleo, and then I went into this bodybuilding path, which, you know, most people see as um, steamed broccoli and chicken, which was very much that. Um, so then it was that very restrictive lifestyle. But, you know, I really needed to do that just would reassess the relationships in my life and work out what was working um, and what wasn't for me. And so for about a two-year period, I um, was in the bodybuilding world. And after that, I realized how much harm I was doing to my body, um, being so restrictive. So then I had to try to bring back that balance. So um, yeah, after bodybuilding, I then went on to starting to live my life again and reintroduce food. And predominantly, it was just more of a, um, yeah, paleo, whole food, you know, still the odd bit of grain here and there, but a lot of that was timed around my exercise um, and just constantly focusing on that uh, lower anti-inflammatory type diet, I guess, in order to heal. And so, yeah, it's now been seven years um, and I wouldn't say, you know, I'm fully healed. The Hashimoto's is something that I'll be managing for the rest of my life. Um, however, it's definitely well managed and controlled with food and cycling of supplementation as well. I don't take supplements every day, but um, when I have a flare-up, I call it, I do need to manage that through um, a bit of a boost in nutrients because us thyroid uh, sufferers can, you know, have a little bit of trouble absorbing um, nutrients when needed as well. So, yeah, that was sort of, I've sort of been on every diet. Um, at the start, I was definitely just feeling my way. As I got further through my studies in nutrition, I started gaining a whole lot more understanding as to what I'd actually been doing. But prior to that, it really was just listening to my body and trying to tune into what was right and what was wrong. Yeah. Amazing. And, you know, really that's all we can do, isn't it? It is just trial and error and listening to feedback and seeing, you know, what's working for us and what's not and essentially becoming our own expert in, in ourselves, which is, which is really cool. So, so you've done amazing things like with diet and lifestyle to manage Hashimoto's, which is so encouraging for our listeners who've got Hashimoto's. Um, so are you completely... Um, drug-free and medication-free when it comes to your Hashimoto's now or do you need to still take a small amount? No, I've actually, so that bag of pills that I was given um, all that time ago, I actually need to. They're suffering from a thyroid disorder. I guess we. it depends on how early your Hashimoto's was picked up on. So for my Hashimoto's was in hindsight picked up quite early. And so I was lucky enough that I didn't have to go down the medical route. Um, whereas some people, their thyroid disorders are picked up quite late. And so 
a lot of damage is always there, already being done. So they will need to go on a low dose of, um, you know, thyroxine or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, I was just lucky enough. So I've never medicated my Hashimoto's. Um, I have managed to control that purely through food. Um, and the way I continue to do that is I'm very aware of what my triggers are. So with thyroid disorder, and this doesn't matter whether you're medicated or not, we all have triggers. And so they can be environmental food, you know, so for me, I know my biggest trigger is stress. As soon as I have an abundance of stress in my life, all of my Hashimoto symptoms come flooding in. Um, and the other thing for me is definitely gluten. Um, so they're my two biggest triggers with my Hashimoto's. And so if they're present, then I'll definitely experience symptoms and I'll go straight to the doctors and get blood tests. And now being a practitioner myself, I can manage that Hashimoto's through um, my blood levels. But um, yeah, that's sort of how as soon as I experience those symptoms, I go and get a blood result and a blood test done and just check where everything's at. Um, because the other thing is we can swing from hyper to hypo and, and Hashimoto's. It can be yeah, that's, it's one of those things that you have to manage forever and you can swing from hyper to hypothyroidism as well. So it's Does something, that answer that question? Yeah, no, it's great. And it's funny actually, well, it's not funny, it's annoying because you you dropped out just at, at the very beginning of that uh, answer when I said, you know, have you been, um, you know, did you take the medication? And I, and I think, if I just want to clarify in case any of our listeners are going, yeah. oh, what did she say? Uh, so I just, just want to clarify that you didn't. So you took that bag of medication and you told them to, stick it where the sun don't shine and you reclaimed your health with real food and lifestyle changes. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So, oh, girl. That makes me so excited. And just so, ex- and so excited for listeners who are thinking, oh, I'm, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, you know, I'm feeling terrible, I'm yeah. never going to feel better again to then, you know, yeah, anyway, it's exciting. No, it is, it is exciting. And I guess I love sharing this story because – I know when I was diagnosed, you know, lifestyle factors and diet was not even mentioned at that appointment. Um, It was just straight, here is your bag of pills. And, you know, there was no lifestyle or dietary mentioned in there. So a lot of people are getting diagnosed. Hashimoto's is such a common thing these days. But yeah, we're not getting told that there possibly is other alternatives. And Medication, I definitely believe that there's a time and a place for medication, but it's not always the answer. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So before we move on to a little bit more about, you know, your philosophy on how to keep this a nice balanced lifestyle that we, you know, without any deprivation, tell me a little bit about the, um, and I, I, I laughed at your triggers because like we're trigger sisters, like stress, gluten, everything's like, here you go. This is, this is why you've changed your lifestyle. It's just like a little, like I have a, a saying that there's no failure, there's only feedback and it's like, okay, something's got to change if these symptoms are coming back. But I'd love to know what your hashi symptoms look like when you have a flare up, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, of course. So um, the first thing is the fatigue. So I will uh, cop extreme fatigue, I like to call it. So I could literally be in bed for days um, and just feeling very, very sluggish. Uh, And yeah, just I wake up with no energy. I go to bed with no energy. I can't make it through my day without napping at least once. Um, So that's definitely my biggest, biggest symptom. I also get a little bit of psoriasis, so dry, flaky skin up in my scalp. 
um, as well. And then I have digestive issues. Sorry for the listeners, but sit more on the constipation side um, and experience a lot of, yeah, like it, like constipation, bloating, that sort of thing. Um, and then when it gets really bad, I will also lose quite a lot of hair. Um, so they're my symptoms. However, other symptoms of Hashimoto's could be um, really sensitive to cold, which I am just generally anyway. Um, people may have an enlarged tongue or unexpected weight gain that, you know, they think that they haven't done anything different and all of a sudden are starting to put on this weight that they shift. Muscle aches and stiffness, that's always quite common as well and joint pain. Um, and then the other thing can be with menstrual cycle. Some people will actually, um, some people will lose their, their menstrual cycle, but excessive or prolonged menstrual bleeding is also really common for the women. Um, and then there's also on the mental side of it, depression, anxiety, memory lapses, those sorts of things. So they're sort of the other symptoms that may be experienced. But yeah, for me, it's mainly the fatigue. Um, a bit of digestive stuff going on. Um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thanks for sharing. Now I know you've like gone from one extreme to the other, you know, um, mm. from like being a party girl. Um, I think we've all been there. Most of us anyway. Uh, you know, where, you know, you sort of been, you're going to the gym and you're eating healthily during the week. Then you just binge drink all weekend and you get all sorts of junk food cause you need it to survive. And mm. And then we go like so clean and healthy and sort of to the other extreme. And I know now you found a really beautiful balance with your nutrition and you've got the, the, the slightly overused but a true saying of an 80-20 approach. And so I'd love to, little, to know a little bit more about what that means for you and how we can go about actually implementing something like that for ourselves because I personally feel at the moment there's too much dogma around clean living. It's like you've got to stick in this lane and do all the things that a certain somebody says, but they might not necessarily work for you or you might miss out on other stuff. So like I really believe there's a different way and I'd love to hear what your take is on that as well, Shelley. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, Helen, I honestly have been at every <laughs> every different angle of this. And I think um, the 80-20, it is used a lot, but a lot of people don't actually know how to implement that. So I'll see clients and they're like, oh, I love the thought of having like an 80-20 or a 70-30 approach, but they don't know what that is because then they'll either go out and sort of still binge on foods that they see as naughty or, you know, guilty foods. Um, and then go really, really strict for like, you know, a couple of weeks. So it is just about finding um, that balance. And I guess the, the way I did it, it has honestly taken me as a, my journey's been about seven years and I've flipped and flopped from everything. Um, but now I love to tell people, you know, my favourite things are espresso martinis, chocolate and every Friday night. So in about an hour, I'll be getting into the kitchen and cooking pizza. Um, so they're like the three things that I love and I, people when it comes to health, you know, there's so much focus, particularly for us women on weight and body image and what we look like that we forget how we're feeling. And so when I was bodybuilding, I had like a full six pack and 
I still wasn't happy. Like I was restrictive and I was eating, you know, I remember once my family came down and we were going out to a restaurant and I rang the restaurant to make sure that they could do steamed fish and broccoli for me um, because that was still in my bodybuilding journey. So, you know, even though I was so strict and had this full six pack, I always say to people, I still wasn't happy because um, I was restricting and I wasn't happy within myself. And so I think, yeah, we all need to get to a place where we can really start to bring in foods that we love um, and that make us feel good. So I call it our soul foods, which is our 20%. So our soul foods are the things that we love, whatever that may be for you, whether it be chocolate, alcohol, you know, like wine or martinis or pizza, chips, whatever it may be, that's our soul food and that makes us our soul happy. And then um, our other 80% of the time is our nourishment. So that is when we're nourishing our body. And the way that I like to get my clients started on this 80-20 balance and just, I guess, the help around that mindset is I'll recommend clients sort of plan their week in ahead. So not sit down and plan every meal, but if you know you have a birthday on on the weekend or if you're going out for dinner with some girls and you want, you know, some a glass of wine or two, then I really recommend, you know, planning that. So that is going to fall into your 20%. Um, we don't account for our whole 20% on the throughout the week, but we might account for, you know, 10% is planned and the other 10% is just when you have a craving for, you know, chocolate or whatever it might be. Um, but I think when we can start to plan a little bit more that 20%, it gets us into that habit of really starting to be mindful around our food. So if I was going to go out and have pizza and wine for dinner, then that day I just make sure that my food choices are not restrictive at all, but they're just a little bit more nourishing. So, you know, I might start my day with a beautiful smoothie, fruits and vegetables and protein and some good fat. My lunch might be a salad, piece of salmon. Um, I'll still snack majority on fruit and then that night I can sort of go out and have what I want and it is guilt-free because I know that I've nourished my body throughout the day and now I'm nourishing my soul. So that's sort of how I like to explain that to clients to help them find that balance and that mindset um, because a lot of it does come down to the mindset. And then the other important thing with starting, you know, the 80-20 is we really need to distinguish the difference between a craving and a habit. So we all have thousands of habits within our day and some of them will hinder your health and some of them will propel it. Um, so an example of this may be at 3pm you start to feel a little bit tired and your energy is declining so you reach for the chocolate which gives you that short you know, blood spike, blood sugar spike. Um, so that may be an everyday type of thing or after dinner you're sitting on the couch and you're just mindlessly eating some ice cream or chocolate their habits not necessarily cravings and so it is very important to distinguish the difference and there's a few ways you can do this you can either keep a journal so that you become in again just more aware of what these habits are so when you start to crave sugar you know you'll write that down and then write what your response to that is um, another way you can do it is by simply trying to distract yourself so a craving will definitely last no longer than 20 minutes. Like 20 minutes is the absolute most. So for clients, you know, if they're getting home 
and it's right before that dinner period, then just pop on your runners, go for a quick walk, whether it be around a couple of blocks or around the park and just get out of the house. And normally that is enough to distract yourself. And if you can come back and that thought's gone, then you also know that was a habit. So it is really important just to distinguish the difference because our cravings can also be telling us things. So if, for instance, you're craving chocolate and it's leading into your you know, your menstrual cycle, for example, and you've gone out for a walk and that's still there, then that could be your body's way of telling you that perhaps you need a bit of a magnesium boost. Um, Or if you're craving coffee, it could be your body's way of telling you that you need a bit of an iron boost. So our cravings can help, but we do just need to, yeah, work out what it is. Is it a craving or is it a habit? And we'll find most of the time that it's habits. Um, So once we're able to distinguish the difference there then it's also much easier to bring in that 80 20 lifestyle because we can start breaking down these habits and I always tell clients just work with one at a time so one habit that you feel like is hindering your health start there so if it's that you know 3 p.m slump go for the chocolate then let's put another habit in place of that that's going to um yeah propel your health I guess and eventually we'll break that habit and it can take about 21 days Um, to build a habit and to break a habit so it's something that we need to stick by and it's that whole mind over matter I guess but um, that's normally where I start when we're trying to implement the 80-20 so yeah just to recap it is um, plan majority of your 20% and then distinguish the difference between habits and cravings um, to help you on that journey. That's really helpful because one of my questions was going to be what do we do for those people who uh, you know, when they do go for the, their soul foods, as you call it, which I, I really like that mm. expression, it's kind of like food with no breaks for them, you know, so they might make a beautiful yeah. paleo chocolate cake and um, have one slice and then the next thing they know, the whole cake's gone. So is that that's where you would bring in this craving versus a habit? Is that right? Yeah, 100%. So again, depending on where you're at, but yeah, putting on your runners and going for a walk is one of the best things. The other is, um, you know, brushing your teeth. So if it's straight after dinner, let your dinner digest, but then go and brush your teeth because often that offset of the mint toothpaste can be enough to um, change those cravings or um, what else, something so you know having your paleo cake and then following it with a beautiful green tea along those lines because that will also help just offset those cravings um but yeah if you're an all or nothing sort of person which i am as well um just try to find things to distract you or find other alternatives so another thing that i like to do with clients and even myself is if i know at three o'clock like a lot of the time it's boredom because I'm either working from home um, and if I'm working from home, I'll get bored at three o'clock and want something sweet. So I'll often make myself a hot chocolate just on the stove top and I literally just use like almond milk, cacao, a tiny bit of coconut sugar um, and just sitting there and drinking that and making sure that I have no distractions around because often when we're mindlessly eating and overeating it is because there's many distractions so whether that be the tv or computers laptops those sorts of things so it's also really important to get rid of distractions um, and just really sit in the moment so um you know if you're having your chocolate just like really sit there and enjoy that chocolate like savor every moment of it because you honestly will appreciate it so much more and you're at a couple of squares as opposed to a whole block 
Perfect. Perfect. Now you've already answered my, um, you know, signature question, which is what's your opinion on cho- chocolate, um, alcohol and coffee. So you've already told me that <laughs> you like espresso martinis. So that's the coffee and there's the alcohol and you've already said chocolate. Like, so who doesn't like, I'm so we so, very, very much. I should actually, yeah, well, I should <laughs> mention, I did actually go alcohol free for two years when I was healing my body, which I don't think I mentioned. So um, yeah, I did go off alcohol for a whole two years, um, cold turkey, and then slowly started to reintroduce it. But look, I guess my philosophy is I honestly believe that everything has a place in our um, diet. So I really love the food is medicine principle because obviously I've used that with myself and I use it every day with my clients. Um, and yeah, if we look at that soul food, you know, chocolate, coffee and alcohol, it does, it makes us happy. So I think there's a place for that because sometimes the stress we put on ourselves when it comes to foods we eat and our nutrition and our body image and all of that can do more harm than just allowing yourself, you know, a bit of chocolate or a drink with friends on the weekends. Absolutely. Like I'm with you and, and you know, I, I was the same as you. I took out alcohol for a period of time, which was really essential on my, you know, liver detoxing, you know, and, and healing journey yeah. like you did. And I think I got a lot of benefit from, from it at the time and it gave me a reset. And then instead of yeah. drinking, you know, high amounts of low quality uh, grog, essentially, I now drink smaller quantities of higher quality alcohol and really enjoy it. And that is one of my soul foods. Like I could quite happily never eat dairy again, quite happily not be tempted by a slice of, you know, local artisan made sourdough bread or a slice of cheesecake you know, made with you know, dairy and grains and gluten. Like I just don't care about that. But if you told me I had to have a life without champagne or red wine, it would just be all too oh, bad. <laughs> like, I'm the same. I'm the same, right? But <laughs> you actually bring up a really good point because I think the other thing, like if you are someone who has that sort of all or nothing, which I do, I think, you know, not only was it essentially my journey as well to give up alcohol, but it also really helped me to break habits around alcohol that were not serving me well. And so like you, now I just really, like I, my husband and I every Friday night, well, not at the moment because I'm pregnant, but generally speaking, we will, you know, sit down with me. Hang on a minute. Thank Hang you. on a minute. Because it was so interesting when you were saying, when, I, when it gets to three o'clock in the afternoon and I get bored, I thought, there's a woman who doesn't have kids because that's, that's the time of the day. It might not, it might not necessarily be um, entertaining, but it's a busy time of the day, you know, like between three o'clock and seven o'clock is kind of like crazy, you know, school pickup, school after sports stuff, but you're pregnant. So oh, congratulations. I am, yeah. How far along are you? So we're 21 weeks at the time of this recording. So yeah, we're over halfway now, which is exciting. So we've got a little July baby coming. Um, when's so, your actual, yeah, I'm not enjoying when, When's your actual due date? It is the 25th of July. So it's two days before my husband's birthday. <gasps> my due date was the 27th of July. Um, and then Sam, who's my uh, firstborn, him, my son, was born on July the 30th, 12 years oh, ago. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. And you know what? You I go. wish you're so lucky, Shelley, that you're, um, you've had your healing, you know, your health storm and you've healed. And now you're embarking on motherhood because I was halfway through, which I didn't realize at the time, my health storm. And then to then create two humans, nurture them sleepless nights blah, 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 blah. 
awful. So you, you're so lucky that you're doing it this way around. And congratulations to you. Yeah, and a lot of um, women's Hashimoto's on that note is actually picked up either during pregnancy or post-conception. And so, um, you know, again, a lot of women will need to be medicated and it's not something to sort of think, oh, no, well, maybe I'll try to manage it naturally if you've just been diagnosed during pregnancy. Like, you basically need to go on medication. And so for me, I still am lucky enough to be managing it through nutrition and lifestyle um, through my pregnancy. And so far, touch wood, I haven't had to go on medication. Um, But, yeah, it is this time where a lot of women's Hashimoto's will get picked up um, and then they need to be medicated because that can be quite harmful on the baby as well. So, yeah, I am very lucky. Yeah, congratulations. Awesome news. I love it. Um, so mm. we, we touched a little bit on, you know, the orthodox, the kind of like paleo police, I call them, who are, you know, like it's this way, it's black, it's white, there's no gray areas. Yeah. If you're doing this, then don't call yourself, you know, paleo or, you know, clean living because you're not. And it's a lot of, it's a yeah. little, see, I think it's getting better, like as more, more, more mainstream that we get. Uh, but there is a little bit of name and shame um, going on in social media. And I know that, um, you know, you believe that social media can sometimes be harmful to our health from a nutritional mm. point of view. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that, please. Yeah, for sure. So um, with social media, I really love it. And I think um, it is spreading and bringing so much awareness to health into people's lives that perhaps hadn't really thought about it before or didn't really know where to start. And so from that um, point of view, I think social media is great. And I think in terms of brand point of view, you know, there's a lot of influencers influencers out there that are doing amazing things for small brands and startup brands and really helping businesses launch within our health industry. However, I do really believe that um, a lot of the information that is being Um, given to us is unresearched and people are just jumping on the bandwagon. So from the top of my head, you know, right now, celery juice is very big. Um, However, there's actually not much research around that, but yet you've got some really big brands and companies and um, influencers promoting their celery juice every single morning when in fact just going and eating your celery is actually just as good, if not better, because you're getting all that fibre. So I think you know, there's a lot, um, yeah, a lot of people are jumping on bandwagons that perhaps haven't been researched, which can be really harmful. And often in practice, I'm seeing people coming in that have gone and seen wellness coaches and um, nutrition coaches and things like that. And, and it has actually sparked for a short period of time, it has healed them in some sense or, you know, whatever they may have been seeing them for has um, improved however long term there has been damage done and so I am quite passionate about researched information and trying to encourage my people and my um, you know followers and things to really take note of who they're taking advice from and yeah to either have some sort of research backing or a qualification behind them and if there's no qualification that's fine but just make sure that that information has been well researched because yeah, I mean, there's a new trend coming up on, uh, you know, within the social media world every single week. And sometimes it can be really detrimental and harmful to your um, lifestyle so and your health. 
Mm, wise words. And I think that, you know, with the celery juice example in particular, the philosophy that comes along with the celery juice, you know, um, I don't know, philosophy, idea, way of life is eliminating lots of inflammatory foods like gluten, mm. like industrial seed oils, like excess sugar, and also includes adding in a lot more vegetables and good fats mm. uh, in the form of, you know, coconut oil, coconut milk, those sorts of things. So I think, you know, like, could you still get those health, you know, like if you were coming off a diet like you and I used to have when we were partying hard and smashing the gym, like, you know, if you could you still have those health benefits, eating those foods, eliminating those foods without the celery juice? I think, yes, you could. I also think there's 100%. like, but like not in our circles because we're in such a wellness bubble, right? But there's people yeah. out there, there's people out there um, who instead of having it, you know, like if they were swapping out one of those um, chocolate milkshake things that is very common to have as a breakfast here and like 10 litres mm. of chocolate, coffee, sugary, dairy stuff. Like if they were swapping that out and having celery juice, then yes, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely. And, but is it necessary to have, you know, liquidized celery juice? I don't think so. And especially when celery is, you know, one of the highly most glyphosated sprayed dirty dozen vegetables <laughs> out there. Like unless you're going to go and grow your own organic celery or source your own, it's very expensive to, to have, you know, a celery juice every yeah. day. So I think it's just about taking a bit more of a realistic approach when it comes to this way of life, isn't it? And if, you, if you're saying, hey, just eat, you know, meat and veg and have the old glass of wine, don't stress about it. It just all yeah. makes sense to me. It honestly does. And it's just a matter, like, unless you've got a specific condition that you're trying to get on top of, like, if you are just wanting to live a healthier life, then that is honestly what it comes down to. It's just, yeah, enjoy your glass of wine, enjoy your chocolate, eat well 80% of the time. And if you, you know, if that ends up flipping sometimes to 60, 40, it doesn't actually matter. Like you haven't undone all of your hard work. We just rebalance ourselves and find our way back to that 80, 20, 70, 30 and life's pretty good again. Um, and so, yeah, I honestly think it is, it is just that simple. Like we all sort of know what we need to do. And if we think back to, you know, growing up, I was on that um, you know, I said my mum was that meat and veg, like three veg and meat sort of diet. Like she used to cook everything quite a lot. Like, and, but you know, like it was basic, but that was fine. Like we all grew up really, really healthy. And so we don't need to be supplementing with expensive powders and supplements and, you know, woohoo things. We just need to eat majority whole food and enjoy your soul food at the same time. Such sensible advice. Such sensible advice. I love it. It's, it's <laughs> nice. It's good. It feels doable. It's like, you're like, oh, thank God for that. You know, you can still be healthy and have a martini espresso once in a while. Like it's not going to kill you. Which is Absolutely. Good. Which is good. Now, <laughs> Shelly, is there any final message that you want to leave the listeners with today, um, either based on your personal experience or what you've learned um, in your career? Is there any like final closing message that you would like to share? Yeah, so I guess um, it all just comes back to one, listening to your body and just really trusting that your body does have that innate intelligence to know what to do. We just need to be in tune with it. And I think always question, you know, it doesn't matter whether it is a 
a medical profession like myself when I'm posting things or somebody else you follow on social media or what have you, like anything that you see, just be questioning it. Don't just take it, you know, as a grain of salt and start implementing it yourself because it won't work for everyone. Um, and so, yeah, just just question everything and just know that your health is your biggest asset. And so, um, yeah, we really need to treasure it and um, look after ourselves. Health is your biggest asset. It's so true. Like nothing else matters unless you've got your health, right? And and so much more, so much more is possible when you're coming from a place of health, as we both know. Mm. As we both know. Yeah. Now, if people want to get in touch with you, they want to listen to your Freedom Wellness, is it Freedom Wellness Radio or Freedom Wellness Podcast? Uh, Podcast, yeah. Right. I'm getting mixed up there. So it's Freedom Wellness (laughs) Podcast. Um, Tell us where we can find that and where can we find you if we want to work with you or if we want to follow you on social media, Shelley? Yeah, sure. So you can find the Freedom Wellness podcast on um, the Wellness Couch as well or iTunes. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Freedom Wellness. Um, I try to post, you know, lots of healthy recipes and things like that there. Um, Or you can find me practicing in Port Melbourne or online at www.freedomwellness.com.au. Fabulous. And before you go, one final question. Tell us what you had for breakfast this morning. Oh, okay. So my <laughs> breakfast has been the same, oh, I'm going to say almost since I became pregnant. Um, but this morning I had an apple and then I went to the gym. And when I came home, I had stove stovetop uh, cooked oatmeal so um with almond milk and cacao a dollop of peanut butter a little bit of protein powder and a whole heap of berries so that is pretty much what i've eaten oh my gosh i can't even tell you when i didn't eat that for breakfast i'm just loving it at the moment and those carbs i need those carbs in the morning yeah, you do, good. you do, and you're growing another human. You definitely need those carbs. That's good. And it's nice, you know, to talk to someone who's not terrified of carbs, which is good. <laughs> no, I'm a lover. I'm a lover of all food groups. <laughs> yes, yes, me too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Primal Alternative podcast today, Shelley. It's been so cool to connect with you and to hear your story. Um, and I'm just so grateful that you shared your time with us. So thank you. No, thank you, Helen. It's been great coming on and chatting to you. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.